of Internet Wonderland. I hope my voice finds you well. Welcome back to my home. This is Cheshire's Place. As always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of Internet Wonderland by clicking a like on the Facebook group page, Cheshire's Place, a looking glass and a logical madness. You can listen to this episode and all other episodes and content on anchor.fm. Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many other platforms. And if you ever feel like dropping a line saying hi or giving any thoughts or suggestions for upcoming episodes, feel free to email me at CheshireLookingGlass at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at PlaceCheshire. So, ladies and gentlemen of Internet Wonderland, I'd like to welcome you to this special wrestling-eccentric episode of Cheshire's Place, A Looking Glass and Illogical Madness. Now, the reason why we're doing this is because All Elite Wrestling, AEW, put on their recent pay-per-view known as Revolution. There was a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of excitement. So, I figured we have to cover the show. Now, 
I myself didn't get the opportunity to watch. I've been watching clips on YouTube. So I decided to bring in an expert, someone who carefully observed all the matches, someone who is more dedicated to watching AEW than I am, and I'm slightly ashamed of it. So I brought on a special guest. She is a good friend of Internet Wonderland and of the show. Welcome back to Miss Christine Ann. Christine, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me back again. (laughs) It's always a pleasure to have you on, especially with your insight for pro wrestling. I mean, there are certain things that I miss and that monkey miss that you add into the show. So um, I, I do what I, I do what I can. <laughs> which I am happy that you do. All right, so <laughs> you already know the deal. We are going to be covering AEW Revolution and also tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite due to the fact that you watched both of them. I mean, you dropped the money for Revolution. <laughs> yeah, but it it pains me a little bit every time I have to click purchase on VR, but also at the same time, it's, it, they never fail to deliver. It makes it well worth it every single time. And, I mean, just the cost for it, I mean, yeah, it's 50 to $60, but compared to what WWE used to do with all of their shows... And I never got to, like, I never got to, like, buy them back when they were on pay-per-view. I had the network. I mean, you think, you were, I was spending, what, $10 a month, was it, on the network? Um, and, you know, like, that adds up throughout the year. AEW does four pay-per-views a year at 50 bucks a pop. That's, you know, $200 a year, but still worth it. Yeah, see, you didn't have to go through the dark times where WWE was charging eighty to ninety dollars a um, a pay per view. Sorry, premium live events. Now. I keep forgetting that. All right, you won't you won't get me to change it. No, I my mom would have never when I was growing up. I had to make do with trying to scramble somebody's cable box. Or just reading about it afterwards. <laughs> wow. Okay, see, scrambling someone's cable box is just extremely old school. And for our very young <laughs> listeners out there, cable boxes really don't exist anymore because everyone has internet. So be happy you do not have to go through this. We just showed our age by knowing what that meant, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> We're, we're not young kittens like we used to be back in the day. All At least right. one of us is younger. Ha ha. Funny. Anyways. So, <laughs> you had the opportunity to watch AEW Revolution. You watched the um, buy-in pre-show. You watched the actual event. And you actually got to watch tonight's Dynamite. So, pretty much, this is your platform to give us your overview of the pay-per-view and the overview for tonight's episode. All right, then. <laughs> so, I'll be, um, so I'll be chiming in here and there because, you know, I'm curious about everything that happened on the programs in general. So this is your time. Take it away. Um. Well, <clears throat> said. We had the the buy-in. They always have you know a few matches on there. Eh. Some of them 
a little less notable than others. Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander was a it was a great match. Um, Layla came out with the win on that one. Um, it it fit the buy in. Um, you know their their feud has been basically you know Chris Statlander saying she understands why Layla Hirsch's parents gave her up for adoption. Which ouch. <laughs> oh okay so wow you know i i like AEW's realism here and there but sometimes certain things are just a little taboo to talk about and i think that's one of that, them that that was low that was really low yeah I um i think one of the main things on the buy-in that it, everybody's talking about and it, it got me to um tony shivani is standing in the ring and he welcomes Kenny Omega to the ring. Kenny Omega's music hit. I was in the kitchen grabbing something to drink when this happened. I came sprinting back to my living room just in time to see Don Callis. Okay. They got us. <laughs> so that's one hell of a swerve right there. I mean, I know everyone is anticipating Omega to come back. I know he, we all know that he had his, all, um, his medical procedures that occurred. And he's waiting for clearance, and it's just a big waiting game on when he's going to show up. We know that he will. It's just a matter of when. Right. I think the more things break down between Adam Cole and the Bucks, um, and with Adam Cole and Hangman, which we'll get to after a bit, um, I think the more things break down there, I think that's leading to Kenny's return. And I think it's, I think we're looking at probably a face run with Kenny and the Bucks um, versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Now, do you think they'll actually lead to the potential of the trios titles that we keep hearing about? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need him so bad. Almost every, almost every weekly show between either Dynamite and Rampage, and and their pay per views from either the buy in or the main card, there's always a six man tag. Always, right? So it, they they have to bring out the trios titles eventually. People people want those almost more than we want some of the rumored new signings. You know, I actually have to agree with you because you have to take a look at all the three-man factions that they happen to have. I mean, technically Jungle Ex um, Jurassic Express because they have Kristen Cage. I mean, Death Triangle, um, Adam Cole, Redragon, um, Omega and the Bucks. I mean, the list goes on. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of possibilities with the matchups that they can have. Exactly. Absolutely. It's it's almost their trios is almost as stacked as their tag team division. Right. It it almost reminds me of um, Shakara whenever they had the trios championship, and they also okay. had the kings of, the king of trios um, tournament every year. I could get done with that. So you you'll have to look on YouTube for some of the stuff from Shakara because it, like the king of trios brought in different teams from different promotions or even like just people out of like random people out of the blue that you wouldn't think would team together would actually team mm -hmm. together. I'll definitely have to look into that. But continuing on, what else? Do we have? <laughs> um, 
So continuing on with Brian, the next was you see Marshall and Hook, which I I still I don't get how Hook got over so quickly and so well. I love him. I am definitely like team send Hook, but I don't understand why. <laughs> so the thing is, you have to take a look at it within this perspective. They built Hook from the ground up to be a mystery. True. And it's just that mystique and everything. And then once CM Punk said, how about you send Hook? It became Fair a enough. meme. Yep. And once you become a meme, you have power. So, mm-hmm. so what we have with Hook is a young man that was already mysterious. He had like... He has that cool, calm, collective vibe. You know, a lot of people would think James Dean back in the day. Okay, yep. Or even like, this is showing our age again, like Richard Grieco from 21 Jump Street. Yeah, yep. Sorry, that one took me a second. (laughs) See, (laughs) yeah, this definitely shows our age. But... (laughs) um, to all the young kittens out there, don't look. Actually, yeah, go ahead and look up 21 Jump Street. It's actually a good show that you should watch. But anyway, it wasn't half bad. I mean, it had its moments. <laughs> it had some good moments, had some bad moments. It wasn't, it, it could have been better in my opinion. But anyways, relating, <laughs> re- relating back to Hook, you know, yeah. he, he has it. And Jim Cornette is extremely high on Hook too, which is. Which. Is amazing. Right? Because that man hates everything. He doesn't hate Danhausen for some odd reason. Maybe Which it's all the. Again, that is still. Yeah. It's all the cameos that Danhausen did directly towards Jim Cornette. So I, I think that's it. But, mm. but relating Sometimes to. Sometimes I think you get over by roasting Cornette. Yeah, we try not to roast Cornette too much on this show. He may try to sue us and get Stephen P. New to be his attorney, so I'm leaving it alone. I don't want to get canceled by Cornette, all right? I'm I'm not not trying to catch that smoke. No, um, definitely not. I, I'm surprised he hasn't <laughs> called me yet over the last episode we had you on, and I did the Cornette um, <laughs> impersonation, so I'm, I'm just trying to keep it cool right now. <laughs> We're toeing the line this time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so anyways, you Takes on Hook, um, Taz, and I think that's part of what does it for me too during Hook's matches is Taz calling them. He is such a proud papa when it comes to his son in the ring, and you can just hear it when he's calling his matches. It's it's probably the best part of Hook's matches, to be honest with you. Um, But Hook takes QT out with uh, Red Rum. Um, tapped him out, so that was a, a good pay-per-view win, even if it was just the buy-in um, for Hook, considering most of his matches have been, have been on Rampage. Right. I mean, pretty much Rampage is the Hook show at this point. Anytime that man comes oh, out, definitely. people just love Hook, and you know he definitely has a bright future. You know he's going to be amazing. It's very much so. He's going to be um, a champion here soon. I, I think it's going to be a little while yet, but I think I think he's definitely heading in that direction. I think they've got a lot of um, a lot of potential contenders for that title right now. 
Um, and I think they're going to let those stories play out before they start bringing other people in. Okay, at least he should get the TNT title, at least within a couple of years. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that happening yeah, quite, definitely. quite quickly. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> and then to close out the buy-in, um, we had the House of Black uh, versus <clears throat> Penta Oscuro, Pack, and Eric Redbeard was brought in for this, um, mostly because Ray Fenix still out with an injury at the moment, unfortunately. Um, wishing him all the best. Hope he comes back soon because we miss him. <laughs> True. He, he's definitely amazing and he's definitely missed right now. Very much so. Um, so this, this was a, a great match. This really could have been on the main card and I would have been happy with it. Um, it these, these six guys, well, five because Redbeard hasn't been part of it, but they never failed to deliver. Um, there was obviously tons of high spots coming from Penta. Um, the House of Black, Malachi is, oh, I just love that he's an AEW. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of back and forth. Um, Pack at one point sends um, Black to the floor, but Buddy Matthews um, stops him and hits him with a draping DDT onto the mat, which was a thing of beauty. Um, and the end of the match, Redbeard comes in to unfortunately take the Black Mist from Malachi and, um, Brody King gets, gets the pin, or no, he didn't get the pin. He hits him with a pile driver, um, and then Malachi gets the pin to win. Um, like I said, that could have been on the main card and I would have been perfectly fine with it. Now, you do have to admit that the entire story with the House of Black and Death Triangle, like, do you do you see it stopping anytime soon? Because just the idea of the different storylines that they can weave just with these two factions, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities with this. Right. I I think these two are pro- these two um, factions between. Uh, House of Black and Death Triangle, I think they're tied together for a while. Um, I do think that Redbeard was kind of a one-off um, just because they needed they needed a third person on Death Triangle to substitute for Ray Phoenix. Um, but I can see these guys going back and forth for quite a while. Right, right. So, overall, for each of the matches that were on the buy-in, from mm-hmm. one being the absolute worst... To five being the absolute best, you know, Dave Meltzer scoring here. <laughs> How would you rate the matches in the buy-in alone? Um, I well, Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. It was it was good. It was a little clunky at times. I love Layla, um, but I like a lot of um, AEW's talent. She's got a long ways to come yet. I think um, it was. It was a little clunky at first. Um, I would probably give that one like a three and a half. Okay, okay. Um, Hook and QT, I'm biased. I love Hook. I I would probably give that one a four. Okay, I can see that. I mean, Hook being the young up-and-comer has like the hearts of everyone that watches it. And QT just um, 
All just being QT for the most part. <laughs> that that was the one thing about that match, and probably the only reason I'm I'm taking one off for it is I. Anytime QT shows up in a match, I'm always just like, why, why? He's good cannon fodder. Yeah, that's very true, and and, and it's it even it gets hook over even more because he beat somebody that almost the entirety of AEW's fans. Hello? Yeah. Oh, for a minute I thought you dropped off. Oh, no, still here. Okay. So, <laughs> where do you see this with, with um, Hook and QT before we go to the other ratings? Where do you see this going with Hook versus, you know, the factory? You know, I don't really, I don't really know because Hook doesn't really have, like, a defined storyline right now other than he's just taking down everybody and everybody's tapping out to red rum. That is true. Um, I could see a couple more people from the factory coming out to, you know, kind of defend QT. Um, that's kind of what started this is, you know, he's taken on a couple members of the factory already. And, you know, QT's biggest thing when he came out for that match, he says, if, and this is a quote from, from him, if I've learned anything in my career, it's that if you want something done, you should do it yourself. And that as much as he didn't want to do it, he was going to show Hook what being cold-hearted is really all about. Yeah, and he failed miserably. And as he usually does. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, no offense to QT Marshall. You're actually a very good wrestler, but yeah. Um, we'll discuss I, that another yes. time. Absolutely. QT, he's great. He's, what he does with the Nightmare Factory is amazing, but unfortunately, your character is just... Yeah. Nobody likes you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, is it me, or does he feel like that old-school gym coach that failed at being an NFL player and just takes out his frustration on everybody? Yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Maybe, th- maybe that's what he needs is like some old school 80s gym shorts and like a whistle. Oh, there you go. I mean, they uh, did. They well, did. Run, run that up the line to, to TK, why don't you? Yeah, like he's actually going to listen to me. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, we're barely getting reads out in Ireland and Great Britain and Germany. So <laughs> I'll be surprised if Tony Khan actually pops up. And emails me saying that he wants to be on the show. <laughs> I, I would stop everything right then and there. Uh, the absolute peak right there. We're done. Can't go any. Nope. <laughs> Unless if Axel Braun shows up. But, you know, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So Death Triangle, House of Black. What do you rate it? I, that one, that was an absolute five out of five for me. Like I said, I've said it a thousand times. I said it Sunday night. That should have been on the main card. If if anybody was watching the buy-in on YouTube and saw that, I I could see that selling them on the rest of the show. So it's safe to say that all these matches, especially the very last one, set the tone for the main card, correct? Yeah. I, and that's the great part about AEW. Yeah, they're they're charging, you know, 
what could be considered a, a pretty hefty chunk of change for their pay-per-views. But you get that buy-in free on, on YouTube. Um, and they know how to hook you in with that buy-in. You've got all of the, the hype packages for their, you know, big marquee matches, Jericho and Kingston, um, Punk and MJF, um, Adam Cole and Adam Page. All of that stuff shows up on the buy-in. And it's, it's a great way to hook you into the show. I like it. I like it. So we just finished discussing the buy-in. Now let's discuss the main card, the main event, AEW Revolution. So what do you have for us? So Revolution kicked off with Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, um, which talk about coming in hot. Um, This was probably... This was probably my, my second, like, most look forward to match. I did not think that they were going to start off with this. Um, I thought, if anything, we'd <clears throat> probably start off with either the tag team match um, or, you know, maybe even just kick it off with the face of the Revolution ladder match. Um, but coming out the door with Jericho and Kingston was absolutely the right way to do it. Um, they put on one hell of a match. Um, as like, as soon as they get to the ring, <clears throat> Eddie Kingston immediately drops Jericho with the half and half suplex. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he rolls to the outside. Chris goes after him, slams him onto the mat. Um, Kingston hits him with a neck breaker immediately after that. Um, and the whole time Jericho's going after, um, Eddie Kingston's eye. Cause he's had that, um, the, the broken, um, what is it, the, the occipital bone. Yeah. Um, Jericho's going after that the whole match. And you can see by the end of it, Eddie's eye is damn near swollen shut. <clears throat> um, in the end, Eddie uh, gets Jericho into the stretch plumb submission and actually taps out Jericho. That is not something I ever saw coming. And the whole thing leading up to this was Jericho telling Kingston, you can't win the big one. And it, it, it's true. He, he hasn't. Every big match he's been in from, the, from when he was initially just brought into AEW answering um, Cody's open challenge for the TNT title. Every big match he's been in, he's lost. And so to come in and not even steal the win from Jericho to get him to tack out was huge. Now I do have to agree with that because <clears throat> overall with Kingston's development in AEW one it's about time. He won a big pay-per-view match and absolutely. And two, just his character development since the moment he arrived has been amazing because you really get to see more depth towards Eddie Kingston than what you would while he was working other promotions. Right. Absolutely. It's Kingston has been an, an internet darling and, you know, an indie favorite for, for years. Um, unfortunately, he's just never managed to reach the top. He's just always come up a little bit short. Um, 
And so to see him get a huge win over the first person to ever sign with AEW um, <clears throat> and one of the biggest names to begin with to come over to AEW um, is it, it was amazing to see. It really was. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to definitely check out that match. That's this is one of the matches I didn't get a chance to really look at, and, and like the way that you described it and everything, I now have to watch it. Absolutely. Um, and then after the match, Eddie walks over to Chris, um, tells him you know how much he respects him, and holds out his hand. Which prior to uh, I believe it was on. It was either Dynamite or Rampage. I can't remember at the moment. Um, Jericho had told him, you know, if you do manage to beat me, which you won't, um, I will shake your hand and give you my respect because you will have earned it. Um, so Eddie walks over, holds out his hand to get his, to get his handshake, and Jericho just looks at him and walks away. Wow. And oh my God. The crowd boo the crap out of him for that. <laughs> oh man, that is that just sounds like nuclear heat going on right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and then next we have the AEW Tag Team Championship match with Jurassic Express, the champion versus the Young Bucks versus Red Dragon. Okay, wait, um, wait, wait. Before you describe ooh, ooh, that ooh. match. What yep. is your rating from one to five on the Jericho versus Eddie Kingston match? If I could give it more than five, I would. We'll say if a match goes beyond a five, it, we'll, we're going to steal from what culture here. It gets a golden five. Yes. Okay, perfect. So <laughs> match number one, Jericho versus Kingston gets the first golden five. All right, so continuing on, you were saying the triple threat tag team match? Yes. Um, like I said, Jurassic Express, Young Bucks, and Red Dragon. Um, going into this, the whole thing was there was kind of an agreement between Red Dragon and Young Bucks that they were going to kind of help each other out um, to, to win the, the titles off of Jurassic Express. Um, and the whole time, commentary is being like, yeah, it's a pretty paper-thin agreement. And very quickly, you see that start to break down. Um, <clears throat> the Young Bucks kind of go into business for themselves. Um, and eventually, in the end, it's, it's Jurassic Express retaining um, with uh, hitting the Jurassic Express. To retain their titles. <laughs> you know, I love that their finisher is named after the team. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing is that Jurassic Express was actually, it never was the, the name of the team to begin with. Right. They were just Jungle Boy with Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. By the way, whatever happened to Marco Stunt? I don't honestly know. He hasn't been seen on TV for a very long time. Um, and last I heard, nothing's been confirmed, but it sounds like his future with AEW is slightly questionable. Oh, we may need to do some research on that. There's probably more, something more about the reason why he left and we're going to have to figure that out eventually. Yeah. I miss that little guy. <laughs> oh, 
I mean, honestly, he was very spunky, especially, you know, being the little man. And I do mean little man trying to take on giants in the world of professional wrestling. Now, granted, a lot of critics were not high on him, but you have to admit, for who he is, he really did try hard. He's entertaining. And, I mean, isn't that what wrestling is all about? Exactly. Is being entertaining. I, I still remember as one of my, this is going off topic, but one of my favorite Marco Stunt moments was him getting absolutely ragdolled by Lance Archer during the uh, pandemic shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still, like, I that sticks in my mind to this day. And it was just, it was one little moment in the middle of a match. But that's just, that Marco Stunt is, he's entertaining. And it, like you said, it is. It's, it's the little guy running around thinking that he can fight the big guy <laughs> and, and getting his ass handed to him in the process. But you have to think, I mean, Rey Mysterio had a start like that in WWE <clears throat> because, you know, being the giant killer, the biggest little man in the promotion, those type of things. I mean, Mark, if they could have mm-hmm. really worked with Marco and built him up, he could have been that type of, you know, conquering hero archetype that Rey Mysterio was. Oh, absolutely. And if he would have really been given the chance to to really do any wrestling, I mean, if you if you look up any of his, his indie stuff, he's actually pretty good. Right. Um, he's quite talented. The internet loves him. Um, which I know everybody says, oh, we shouldn't be catering to the internet. But in this day and age, really, where are your fans? On the internet, of course. They're on social media. You know, hopefully uh, some of those fans will come my way too, because you know I could always use some uh, some extra fans. <laughs> we, we all could. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> all right. So for this match, <clears throat> seeing how Jurassic Express retained. Oh wait, mm-hmm. was there any fallout after this match relating to Jurassic Express winning and Red Dragon and? The Young Bucks, anything interesting out of that? Um, after after the match, you could, I mean, you could definitely see, you know, Red Dragon and the Young Bucks kind of being like, you know, what the heck, you guys. Um, like I said, it there was their little agreement to help each other out quickly went off the rails. Um, <clears throat> Matt Jackson, um. Or no, Bobby Fish took out Matt, ja- Matt Jackson. Um, and then the uh, the Young Bucks super kicked Kyle O'Reilly. Um, and then <clears throat> O'Reilly jumps in to break up the pin from uh, the Young Bucks on the Jungle Boy. It, the whole thing, it was obviously, it's a triple threat. It, you've got the high flyers in there. It was a cluster... Uh, but it was a fun cluster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we continue on, your rating for Lucha—I uh, was about to say Lucha Brothers. Wow. Yeah, we <laughs> definitely need Ray Phoenix back at this point. <laughs> we do. So your rating for Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks from one to five. How do you score this one? Um, it's a four and a half. Um, my, my biggest criticism with AEW's tag team matches and you can't really hold it 
so much against triple threats, but their tag team matches in general, they're always a little messy. Um, I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling. I do like when tag team rules are followed. Um, I like the tag ropes. I like the, you know, keeping the, the double team moves, moves to a minimum. And by the end of this match, it was really hard to remember who was the legal man. Um, when they were trying to pin, pin Jungle Boy, I was like, wait, 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 no. <laughs> isn't, isn't Luchasaurus the legal man here? So it, I, I have to take a little bit off of just about every tag team match just because they are always kind of messy. Right. No, that's completely understandable. So four out of five for the triple threat tag team championship match. All right. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> now if I remember correctly, wasn't the TNT women's title match up after this one? I uh, know that's a little bit later. It is the TBS title. Oh, TBS. That's right. I, TNT TBS. I mean, remember because Jade calls it that bit show. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> right. You know what? Yeah. Soon enough, they'll probably have like a CNN belt. Eventually, that'll be the that'll be the trios one, the CNN trios match title. Actually, if they ever do that, I swear I'm just going to cancel everything. But anyways, continuing on. Um, up next was actually the face of the revolution ladder match. Um, and in this, we had um, gosh, who all was in this? It. It's now Wednesday. This was Sunday. You of all people know how terrible my memory is. I'm having to go off of um, some notes here. So, All right. So the individuals in the face of the revolution match was Keith Lee, Powerhouse Hobbs, Wardlow, Orange Cassidy, and Isaiah Cassidy. No, Isaiah. Yeah. Did you say Christian Cage? Oh, I forgot about Christian. Wait, was Christian in it? Christian was in it. Okay, so yeah. He, he qualified on Rampage right before. Okay, yep, so six individuals. I almost yep. forgot about Christian. Wow, I feel bad. Oh, story of his career. <laughs> Anyways, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, you, know, you have six people in the ring. The match begins with everybody just an all-out fight. Um, the, the three big guys, you know, kind of at one point were the last one standing, um, orange Cassidy absolutely popped me in this. Um, Cassidy rolls in, stands in the middle of the ring and does his slow kick, um, to Wardlow, Hobbs and Keith Lee. Um, and of course the crowd is, is going nuts for it because it's orange Cassidy and we love him. Um, and then all of a sudden, Hobbs and Keith Lee go after Wardlow and Orange Cassidy is like a little burst of energy tries to be a little spider monkey and crawl up the three of them to try to reach the brass ring to win the match. The crowd absolutely lost it for this. I even popped. <laughs> um, and then the ladders start getting introduced. Uh, at one point, Christian hits the three big guys with the ladder. Um, oh, Ricky Starks was in this match, too. There were seven people. Oh, you know, that's bad that we <laughs> forgot about Ricky Starks, too. That's, he's the FTW champion. That's kind of the, the story there. 
Okay, so pause on that. I do want to talk about the FTW belt. <laughs> because at this point in time, yes, it it wasn't even a sanctioned belt in no. ECW. But what I think should happen, because, I mean, we have the TNT title, we have the TBS title, we have the women's title, we have the tag title. You know what? They should just sanction the FTW title Almost like what Ring of Honor has for the pure style title that um, Grisham has right now. Oh, yep. So that's something that they can easily do. Yeah. Um, I'm still very much of the, I don't know why we have the FCW title. Nostalgia. Other than it's, yeah, it's nostalgia and it's Taz. And it, it started with, uh, Oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. The first big guy with Taz. Um, Gage. Yep. Yep. It started with him because, you know, the FCW title, Taz brought that in because he was getting, you know, screwed over and passed over for the champ, the world title. Right. And that was why he passed it on to Gage. Now, Stark won it from him and just kind of carries it around. Extra jewelry. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Ricky Starks is a great wrestler. And somehow I do hope that um, Brian Danielson and and Regal and Moxley actually pull him to the side and be like, hey, join us. You know, I, I'm waiting yeah. for that one. I'm waiting for that one because they did mention that they wanted to work with him. So I see some opportunities right there. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So through the through this whole match, I I was I kept going back and forth between is it going to be Keith Lee that wins or is it going to be Wardlow? Because Keith Lee was brought in immediately from the get go, being built up and acting like he was about to be the one to win this. And really, he was. I think he was probably the one that the majority of what I was seeing on Twitter Sunday night was who people wanted to win, um, and he looked phenomenal in this match um you can tell he's he's back to having fun like he did when he was in nxt before his absolutely horrific main roster call-up yeah we don't talk um, about that no that that didn't happen no no it didn't um, exist <laughs> we, we have wiped that from history yes we like did. he's he's back to having fun you know, he gets in the ring and everybody starts doing the you know the bask in his glory and you know, the, the Keith Lee, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, people love him, and you can tell he's just having fun with it again, which is great to see. Um, at the, you know, in the end of the match, um, it ends up with Christian is climbing up the ladder. He gets pulled down by Ricky. Um, Wardlow hits a power bomb onto Christian, which always makes me a little nervous when guys like Christian are taking bumps like that because he was, WWE wouldn't clear him to come back. Right. Um, and so it kind of makes you wonder, like, how did he get cleared for in-ring action with AEW? Um, and it, it just makes me nervous when the veterans start taking those bumps. Right. Um, right. But, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, just relating to Christian, we already know that he has a lot of history with concussions and everything. And 
you know, hopefully, I mean, he did wrestle a couple other times, you know, in WWE. And then, of course, his few matches he had in, you know, AEW up to this point. So, you know, I do share your concern on how he got cleared. Because that's always going to be a mystery, especially with all of his issues. But overall, you know that you cannot take this man out of a match unless if he's going to be on a stretcher. Very true. Absolutely. Um, And so then, like I said, Wardlow hits a powerbomb on Christian. Um, Wardlow uh, leaps up the the ladders that were were bridged out, uh, which was I've never seen Wardlow move like that. It was an amazing display of athleticism from him. Um, Powerbomb starts onto the ladder bridge and grabs the brass ring, which that's a conversation for another day, how much I hate that brass ring. But Yeah, every time I look at it, I think I'm watching live-action Sonic the Hedgehog. It's so cheesy. Um, I get the first time they did it, it was, you know, a, a little tongue-in-cheek joke at WWE, but it's it's massive and it's cheesy. I actually like the the double or nothing uh, poker chip better, which is saying something. Well, if you take a look at it, it's almost poking fun at um, Impact Wrestling for their Ultimate X because you have to grab True. the giant red X. You know, maybe they should just do a combined pay per view. Do like. A match called X's and O's. Have the destination X hanging up. Have the brass ring from the Face of Revolution ladder match on there. And whoever grabs either one, they get a title match for that respective company. There you go. Yeah, I'm telling you, we need to start running these ideas up the line. You know, Tony Khan did not listen to either one of us. True. I mean, who knows? Maybe Cody might, because then he'll steal the ideas and say it's his. This is true, and then we're just, you know, further victims of Cody Island anyway. Uh, Hey, remember, Cody ended racism in wrestling, so. (laughs) Just saying. Okay. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Anyways, so for the face Um, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one thing I did forget to mention. Um, unfortunately, um, Orange Cassidy did take a pretty nasty, um, bump onto the, onto the ramp. Um, and it was, um, told us tonight on, on Rampage, he did get hurt. Um, his arm is in a sling for a little while. He's going to be out of action. Um, thankfully nothing that is going to require surgery. Um, so hopefully he won't be out too long, but, uh, definitely hoping that he recovers quickly, um, because he is. So entertaining, and I just love seeing him in the ring. So, speedy recovery to Orange Cassidy from every one of us in Internet Wonderland. We're going to miss your work while you're gone, but, you know, hopefully you make it back into the ring to entertain and enjoy what you find extremely passionate about the business. (laughs) Thankfully, it does seem like they are going to at least keep him, um, you know, ringside with the rest of the, the best friends, so at least. He's still getting um, getting some TV time while he recovers. Which is good. I mean, as, as you said, like, he is a fan favorite. People just love... 
he is pretty much hook before hook. Yeah, definitely. All right, so for the Face of Revolution ladder match, from one to five, how do you score it? Uh, I'd I'd give that one a a solid four and a half, I think. Okay. Um, It was good. There was a couple of couple of slow spots where I was like, all right, we could be doing more with these ladders, but I am definitely of that, like, the, I, the TLC matches are always my favorite, and so I'm like, if you can beat the crap out of somebody with a ladder, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's called a normal Saturday night, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next match on the card, what is it? Um, so, before the next match, um, Tony Schiavone is uh, up on the, the stage to host a contract signing, um, which, unfortunately, Shivani kind of stooged off the surprise himself. He was uh, waving the clipboard around, and you could very obviously see on the clipboard it said swerve. Um, and so then he, somebody must have gotten in his ear because it, eventually he put the clipboard behind his back. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then he announced that uh, the surprise contract signing for that night is Shane Swerve Strickland is all elite. Okay, so I did see this part on YouTube, and I'm excited for Swerve to be part of AEW. Same. Yeah. I, I'm very excited. I think he's going to do some great things. I love him. So not only am I happy about this because, I mean, taking a look at his stuff in the independence, what he did before NXT, what he did during NXT, we're not mentioning anything about his disastrous run on SmackDown nope. because that was complete and utter. You know what? This is a family-friendly show, so I'm not going to continue <laughs> with that. But you but get just, the idea. Just like Keith Lee, that never happened. Exactly. Now... I, I will admit WWE, well, sorry, NXT with Hit Row worked. It did. It really did. But the the unfortunate part with that is that Hit Row was part of Triple H's NXT. Right. They were part of the black and gold. And it, it was shown time and time again that Triple H's vision for these guys didn't didn't make it up to the main roster. Not that it wouldn't have translated to the main roster because it, it absolutely would have. Um, but I don't know what it was about, about the black and gold NXT is every, every call up something vital about them that got them over in NXT got changed when they went up to the main roster. Yes. Because Vince. Well, yeah, that's just it. Like, I, I just don't understand what his problem was with, what was working on NXT, why not let it work on the main roster? Because he's afraid of change. True. And I I think sometimes he didn't get the vision. I mean... And if Vince doesn't get it, it, to him it doesn't work. Maybe I should take over WWE. (laughs) There you go. That could be interesting. Nah, you know what? Honestly, (laughs) I, I don't think I could take over WWE. Because, you know, the history behind it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to sully it. I wouldn't want to do anything to damage <laughs> it. I'd want to improve it. 
But, you know, pretty much the improvement was the original black and gold brand. And, mm -hmm. you know, Vince is way too stuck in his ways. Yeah. But. And it, it just, it further goes to show that it was, it was just an issue with the black and gold because now that it's an NXT 2.0. We do not discuss um, 2.0 here. <laughs> well, I don't watch it anymore, so it's fine. Um, but these guys are coming up to the main roster completely untampered now. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. Um, anyways, back to, back to, uh, Revolution. Next up was the PBS title match, uh, Jade Cargill versus, uh, Ty Conti. Um, it was, it was a good match. It was. I think that Jade has improved leaps and bounds, um, in the short time that she's been wrestling. And it's, it's crazy to look at her wrestle and think that, this woman was never in a ring before she showed up on AEW. She was training, yes, but she had never actually wrestled a match either in the Indies or on TV ever. Now, <clears throat> I do have to agree with you about Jade because she has improved and you can tell the difference from her very first match, even her first promo on AEW. Mm -hmm. And you know the yeah. promo I'm talking about. I looked for I you do. in cars. I looked for you in bars. And there you are. Like, who wrote that? It, yeah. And all of that, sure. all of that was just meant to get Brandy over on that promo, which, I mean... She did go completely ham on that damn promo, I will admit. <laughs> My favorite line from that. Who told you it was open mic night, heifer? Exactly. That was the best that was the best line. That was absolutely the best line. Like the entire promo for me, because Monkey actually showed it to me. Cause I didn't hear anything about it until like a couple of days after and he showed it to me. I'm like, oh my god. You gotta be kidding me. He, yeah. And the way he showed it to me, he played the Jim Cornette podcast episode first relating to it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I'm laughing, and then I saw the actual promo, and I'm like, oh my God, this is classic. This is the yeah, best thing was, ever. It was so good. Uh, hands down, one of my favorite Brandy Rhodes moments. Um, if they could have kept her doing stuff like that, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Right. I fully agree. All right. So continuing on with this match. Um, so very early on, um, Jade Cargill looks for jaded, but Ty is able to reverse out of it. Um, she goes for an arm submission. Jade reverses out of that with a knee submission. Um, and then, Ty breaks that. Um, Jade continues with what she's been doing, and that's mocking uh, Ty's judo background. Um, hits her, she hits um, Jade with you know a few kicks. There's swinging DDT. Mark Sterling tries to intervene. Um, can you tell I don't like Smart Mark? <laughs> Okay, so Smart Mark Sterling in real life is actually pretty damn cool, but his character on AEW and everything that he does in the indies, he just, I don't know, there's something about him that makes me just 
want to just punch him. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, like you, you can tell that they're like WWE's trying that with the Robert Stone brand and Robert Stone, but Smart Mark follows the old school wrestling managers like Bobby yep. the Brain Heenan, the Grand Wizard, yes. you know, um, Jim Cornette, um, even Slick. Yep. You know, it, go ahead. He, he, he's great at what he does. I obviously, if I, if I see him and I immediately, the first thing I think is, God, you have a punchable face. He You're really doing does. something right. Exactly. Once you see a person, it's like, God, I just want to just beat the hell out of you. You know that they're doing their job correctly and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, the big thing with this match that the internet could not stop talking about, and I had friends texting me about um, Jade uh, kissed Ty Conti, um, which the big thing about that is it, it threw Ty off her, off her game after that, uh, which now on tonight's Dynamite, Jade is calling that the kiss of death. So apparently that's going to be a thing. Um, I had friends texting it? me. Now, I, I do have to wonder, seeing how this kiss of death, and honestly, it just seems like a play on Bianca Belair's KOD, but, you know, I I digress. You know, <laughs> <laughs> because I saw the memes of this, and that's where the Cody ended racism thing came about <laughs> that I saw recently. But the idea of two women kissing in today's dynamic. I can see how it throws people off a little bit, but at the same time as an old school wrestling fan and remembering hot lesbian action on WWE and <laughs> yes. the pudding fights and the evening gown matches and the bra and panty matches and everything that WWE did during the attitude era. Yep. This is extremely tame and people should not even be oh. blinking an eye on. Absolutely. And like I said, the internet lost their dang minds over it. Um, one of my one of my friends that texted me, I just thought it was hilarious. Um, I got a text literally 0.25 seconds after it. And he said, so when are the men going to start doing this? Because if the women can, why can't they? <laughs> Um, <laughs> just like, you know what? You're not wrong. Let's let's get. I could see John Silver doing it. Actually, my money is safely on John Silver actually doing it as Johnny Hunky. <laughs> yes, he's going to be the type that's going to whip Irish whip someone into the corner, jump up, and like rub his stomach, and then kiss them and jump <laughs> off like he just won the damn Olympics. And and why is it going to be Adam Cole that he does it too? It's that long, luxurious hair, I'm just saying. <laughs> There's something about Adam uh, Cole's features that Johnny Hungy seems to like. And you know what? He's just going to slip around and say, like, you know what? you got to put him out. And then, bam, right there. Yep. I'm waiting for it. Oh, it's going to happen. <clears throat> um, Tony Khan or anyone from AEW, if you're actually listening to this, Please make this happen. Make this part of the storyline. <laughs> Take full okay. credit for this. Just book it. Let's go with it. Let's do it. <laughs> so back, Anyways. Back so to the kiss of Jade, death here. Um, 
so after that, like I said, the whole thing was is, is Ty Conte definitely looked a little off of her game. Um, she she goes for a super kick. Um, Jade blocks the the Ty KO, um, connects with the Eye of the Storm. Um, Ty kicks out, and Cargill follows that up with a frog splash, which Ty also kicks out of. I'm not a fan of people kicking out of finishers all the time. Um, Ty being able to kick out of the eye of the storm definitely bothered me a little bit. Um, and eventually, Ty Conte tries to go to the top rope. Um, Cargill pushes her. She headbutts the camera. Um, and then Jade is able to hit Jaded um, to, retain the champ- to retain the championship. Now, I did get to see the frog splash that Jade Cargill did, and that was it was beautiful. It was. It was so good. It said she has improved leaps and bounds. Um, when she first came in, I would have never seen her connecting with the frog splash that well. Right, right. And it's just amazing, you know, just how far she's come in that very short amount of time and the sky's the limit for her. I mean, especially seeing how in muscle and fitness, she was talking about training with Daniel Bryanson and learning different aspects of the wrestling business in terms of striking, grappling, ring psychology. So she's definitely with the right person to train her and bring her up to the next level, mm-hmm. which hopefully this, turns into, hopefully this turns into storyline and Jade falls in the faction with Regal, Danielson, and Moxley. I can see that. And get rid of Smart Mark and have him do <laughs> something else. Yes, definitely. Um, also, one thing I do want to bring up, um, Jade's ring gear Sunday night, the Mortal Kombat ring gear. Yes, yes. Amazing, amazing. That, like... For me, Jade, because Jade loves cosplaying. She loves comics. She loves anime. She is AEW's answer to Zelina Vega because both of them are cut from the same cloth. You know, they're complete and utter geeks, and I love the references they have in their outfits. Mm -hmm. It's so good. She looks amazing. Um, That, now if we want to... Yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, that was the, the end of the match. Um, she hit, hits Jaded to retain. Um, it was it was a great match for, for Ty. I'm so glad she got her, they both got their pay-per-view match. Um, Ty Conti has been in some really great matches lately. She deserved it. Um, Jade has improved so much. She deserved it. I did initially say that I felt like it could have been in on, could have been on the buy-in. Um, but as you corrected me and said, give it a chance, um, I, I can definitely see why this ended up on the main card. Right. And there's a lot of people that still think that it should have been on the buy-in, that, that it didn't have any place on the main card. But honestly, for what it was, it was a very good pay-per-view caliber match. Could it have been a little bit better in some spots? Yes. I mean, yeah. that's any match. But for who was participating and the story, which, okay, the buildup for it was a little rushed and everything, but for what it was, it was a good match. Yeah, it really, really was. 
So now I have to ask your rating for Jade versus Ty Conti for the TBS title from one to five. What do you got for us? I would, I would give it a four. I think both women really, really put some solid work in. All right. Definitely a four. All right. What was the next match after this one? The next one was the hotly anticipated uh, dog collar match between MJF and CM Punk. Okay. Okay. Um, This one starts off with MJF trying to get as much heat on himself as he can before the match even starts. Um, Punk's music hits. We hear the very beginning riffs of Cult of Personality, and it quickly changes into MJF's intro. Um, And the crowd ate it up. Um, And then CM Punk makes his entrance using his old Ring of Honor theme song and also wearing the ring gear from Ring of Honor. Oh, which nice. Literal chills. <laughs> See, you have to appreciate those, especially now with AEW buying Ring of Honor and those stars from ROH giving homage to their beginnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, in the... Um, post-show media scrum um, Punk actually got uh, a little emotional talking about um, Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor um, saying that he never wanted WWE to end up with the tape library um, and that he's glad that it ended up in somebody's hands who's actually going to take care of it and do the right thing with it um, and that was just really cool to see right um, so this one starts off, um, Punk kind of, you know, starts out by, by pulling back on the chain, um, but MJF kind of yanks back out of it. Um, and he's typical MJF trying to get out of the ring. Um, uh, but each time Punk yanks back on it, kind of choking him with the, the dog collar. Um, I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. In the beat. I'm sorry, I was about to say, ooh, kinky on that one, but we're still a family-friendly show. Yeah, keep it together. Come on now. <laughs> Anyways, continue. <laughs> um, the, the whole beginning of, of the match is, you know, like I said, MJ up kind of trying to to get out of the, the ring. Um, at one point, he tries to apologize to Punk, um, I'm guessing mm, typical MJF tactics, trying to weasel his way out of basically the consequences of his own actions. <laughs> I can see that. Um, they they go back and forth trying to use the chain as a weapon. At one point, MJF was whipping the ever loving crap out of Punk with that that chain. Um, I think I might have messaged you about that. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> Um, then MJF, um, attacks Punk with the chain, hitting him in the head, um, busting him open again, um, kind of following the, the story from the dynamite previous where he busted him open with the dynamite diamond ring. Um, 
MJF demands to be given the effing mic, um, and he tells Punk to just quit. Um, and instead, he tells Mac to eat shit. <laughs> I like that. Is that I, I loved die? it. Is that I, I loved die? it. I loved it. Um, there's, I mean, it's, it's typical dog collar match, just brutality. They're going back and forth, hitting each other, headbutting each other, using the chain. Um, the only thing I was a little disappointed about in this is Punk is just absolutely bleeding bucket. And by the end of the match, MJF had been busted open a tiny bit, um, but it had completely stopped bleeding by the end of the match. Okay, hold on one second. <clears throat> so you're telling me that MJF got busted, bled for a little bit, and it stopped. Yeah, he had pretty much no color by the end of the match. While, like I said, Punk spilled bucket in that ring. Uh, I'm going to call BS on that one. I, I understand that they want to try to protect uh, MGF's face because, you know, that's the only way he's making money. <laughs> Aside from him being a phenomenal wrestler, um, I apologize, MJF, if you feel like I'm trying to, you know, rib on you a bit. But I am trying to rib on you a little bit. You're a phenomenal wrestler, but at the same time, you have the extremely punchable face that AEW wants to capitalize <laughs> on. Right? And if I had the opportunity, I don't, I, I think I would hit him wearing a glove, reinforced with bricks yeah. and nails. Right. It, it, that, that is something that it disappointed me a little bit uh, with this match as I expected, and especially because they are, they're referencing Piper and Valentine. Right. Um, and, you know, we got the, we had a dog collar match once before with, uh, Cody and the late Brody Lee. And that was absolutely brutal. Um, the the one-sided, um, I would say, one-sided brutality in this match was a little disappointing. Um, I, I really hoped that um, it would just, it, it just kind of failed to live up to expectations a little bit. It wasn't quite as as brutal as, as we kind of hyped it up to be. And I don't know if that was our fault, um, but I don't see how it can be when, like I said, your main thing going into this was when Punk introduced the dog collar match, he asked MJF, will you be my Valentine? Right. And that, um, that is a complete play <clears throat> on Greg, the hammer Valentine who is synonymous is that the right word? Synonymous with dog collar matches. Right. And with MJF, you know, his, his promo of he's better than Piper in Portland. Ooh, yep. Yep. He went there. Um, so then um, MJF um, avoids an elbow, elbow drop from Punk, picks up a bag and drops a bunch of thumbtacks into the ring. Um, <clears throat> and they both, you know, kind of keep teasing a bump into the into the tag. Neither one does. Um, they head up to the top rope. Punk looks for the Pepsi plunge with peach with 
which people still are going nuts for. Um, it's that little bit of nostalgia, and we love it. And Punk goes for a superplex, which lands himself into the tax. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, they go for the cover, he kicks out. MJF starts calling for Wardlow. Wardlow comes out. MJF demands the dynamite diamond ring, um, but he's forgotten it. He's searching all of his pockets, doesn't have it. MJF tells him, you had one job. Um, Punk pulls him in, hits a GTS. MJF finally falls back under the thumbtacks. And Wardlow suddenly remembers where the ring was. He pulls it out looks at Punk, and just sets the ring on the mat and walks away. Yes, um, yes, yes. MJF, in a final act of defiance, hits Punk, spits at Punk, um, but then Punk smashes him in the face of the ring, and you know, one, two, three, it's over. Punk won the dog collar match. Okay, I absolutely love that, especially with Wardlow mysteriously remembering where he put the ring. Or, yeah, put the ring and just pretty much up and walked away. So that is a good start for his face turn. Yes, absolutely. And that was the biggest pop of this entire match. Um, I thought that people went nuts um, for the tax. You know, when he told him to eat shit, it was nothing compared to Wardlow just without saying a word setting the ring on the mat and walking away. That is it, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, <clears throat> like I said, a little disappointed that it just didn't quite, the match itself didn't quite live up to the hype, but right. it was a, it was great. It, it was really good. Um, I think the best part of it was really the Wardlow thing at the end though. All right, so your rating for CM Punk versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the dog collar match from one to five. What is your score? I would have to give it a three and a half just because it did, it, it disappointed a little bit. Okay, <clears throat> I, I can see that, mainly due to the fact that, you know, MGF should have bled more. Mm-hmm. It should have been a little more brutal on that part. But overall, at least now this does open up for Wardlow becoming face and eventually facing off against MJF. Yeah. Yep. That that was the best part of it, really. So I, I'm excited for for everything that's going to come to Wardlow. I mean, hopefully he wins the TNT title. Hopefully he goes up against MJF. You know, hopefully we see a lot more from him. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next match on the card, which one is it? Was the AEW Women's Championship match uh, between the championship champion Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Um, from the entrances you could tell that Thunder Rosa wasn't winning she walked down to that ramp with what I saw being called 
the biggest case of boo-boo face people have seen in a while. That That's actually disheartening. It, it was. It was. It, it sucked to see because as soon as I saw her coming down the ramp with much less enthusiasm than somebody should have for finally getting their title match, um, she, she, and I guess I've heard that she's possibly injured as well, but then she had a match tonight, so, um, but she walked down very unenthusiastic. If you watch some of the uh, clips of just her entrance, you can almost see her roll her eyes. So they must and, have told her prior to the match who was actually going to win. I'm guessing it was possibly, I, I think, and this is all speculation on my end, but just, you know, what I can assume from her entrance is that maybe she they were told to begin with that she would be winning at Revolution and that's what this whole feud was building up to. And then with St. Patrick's Day Slam being in her hometown of San Antonio, um, they decided to, you know, pull a little bait and switch and be like, okay, wait, no, we're, we're going to have you take the pin here um, with a lot of interference, but you're going to take the pin here. Um, and then, you know, we're going to move on to St. Patrick's Day Slam with it. Um, it was just disappointing to see her come down to the ring. So obviously upset with what was about to happen so i got a chance to watch this match too and you know all in all in my personal opinion of it it was a decent match they did way too much with the distractions and the Mm -hmm. interference and it took away so much from this match that should have been a one-on-one deal it did it then all of the interruptions or the inner interruptions or whatever distractions from Jamie Hader and Rebel was just it was too much. And I don't know there could be something to Thunder Rosa possibly wrestling injured right now because through the whole match it I don't know if you noticed it watching it, but both of them seem to be moving kind of slow. You know what? I now that you mention it, I, I do, I do remember them moving a lot slower than what they're accustomed to. So maybe Thunder Rosa is injured. Who knows? Maybe Brett may be injured a little bit because I mean, she's been taking some hellacious bumps and hits as of late. She really has. They've both been wrestling a insane amount of. I mean. Just an insane amount. I mean, Britt's constantly in some sort of match. Thunder Rosa's always getting you know, beat up by somebody. Right. Um, it's possible. One or both of them could be injured. But I thought it was it was a good match. Um, it was disappointing that this was, you know, the, the, women's, the second women's match that we got on the card. Um, and it being such a high-profile match that it wasn't, it didn't deliver as much as I thought it should have. Right. Um, and like I said, just so much from, you know, outside interference. Um, in the end, um, Britt uh, does um, connect with a, a stomp uh, to retain the title. 
Um, so she is still AEW champion, women's champion for a couple more weeks, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, because next week is going to be um, the St. Patrick's Day event that they're going to be doing. Yes, next week is St. Patrick's Day Slam. Um, so, and like I said, that is Thunder Rose's hometown. Um, so hopefully they just, you know, flipped the script, script a little bit and wanted her, wanted her to get a hometown win. Right. All right. So <clears throat> I have a feeling what your scoring is going to be on this match, but I have to ask you for the AEW women's title, Dr. Britt Batten Baker, DMD versus Thunder Rosa from one to five. How do you score it? It pains me, but I would have to give this one probably my lowest rating in the show, and I'd have to give it a two and a half. It was just it. It was just disappointing from the entrances, and it just it continued really to kind of disappoint throughout the the match. I fully agree. All right, so if I remember correctly, the next match on the card was John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Correct. It was. Yep. Here we go. Um, it was a, a hard hitting match. I mean, those those two guys went at each other. Um, Daniel Bryan's chest by the end of the match was bright red. I mean, I I am amazed watching tonight's show that he, he didn't have some serious, obvious bruises from that. Right. Um, like I said, it was, it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of hard hits, um, a lot of chops, a lot of slaps across the face. Um, it, Daniel Bryan obviously whipping out the yes kicks, um, which we can't call them the yes kicks anymore, um, but the crowd still does. <laughs> right. Um, towards, the, towards the end of the match, uh, Moxley hits him with a German suplex. Bryan connects with a roundhouse kick. Um, they kind of go a little back and forth there with the switching holds and stuff like that. Um, by then, um, Moxley and and Dang and ooh, I almost slipped up there. <laughs> Brian Danielson, um, are both busted open and bleeding, which was the whole thing. You know, Moxley said he can't fight with some or can't fight alongside somebody until they bleed together. Um. <clears throat> Brian reverses out of the paradigm shift, um, but does eat a King Kong lariat, which we haven't seen that be hit by by Moxley very often, so that was pretty cool. Right. Um at the the end of the match, um Danielson he kicks him, heads in with the double knees, uh, Moxley kicks out of that. Um Daniel Bryan, oh, God dang it. <laughs> Ryan Danielson, it is so hard for me. <laughs> Look, it, it's understandable. There are times where I just want to call him Daniel Bryan too, but, you know, <laughs> we have to remember it's Brian Danielson. He Brian is, Danielson. Yes. He is where he needs to be, and that's away from WWE. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but continuing um, on. He he locks in the, the triangle sleeper um, and somehow Mosley reverses it and gets the pinfall. Uh, it was pretty cool to see him uh, reverse out of that. You don't you don't see people reversing out of his submission 
uh, right now with this run in the AEW. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool to see that. Um, after the match, the, they eat brawling. Um, and not even from down the entranceway. It looks like he almost came from the crowd. Uh, William Regal comes walking in. Uh, the crowd goes nuts for Regal. Um, he separates them. Regal slaps Moxley across the face. Oh, Brian, Brian Danielson is back there applauding him. <laughs> uh, and then Regal turns around and smacks him, too. Okay, that is beautiful. <laughs> it was great. It's like a uh, parent scolding his children. I love it. Yes, it was so good. Um, and then he, you know, he brings them together, tells them to shake hands. Um, they do. Um, and then that was that was the end of that as we we headed into uh, Shivani kind of running down Wednesday's tonight's dynamite card. Right. Now we do have to address William Regal being part of AEW. Because there are a lot of reports that not only is he going to be on screen, but he's going to be doing a lot of work off screen too. Yes. Um, he is currently listed on AEW's um, coaches roster. Um, and I've heard also that he's going to be doing a lot of stuff backstage uh, as far as working with people, which I think is not even in a, I mean, a non on screen talent, obviously, it's huge. I love William Regal. Um, but as far as a, um, like a coach backstage, that is going to be massive. For AEW. Exactly. His years of experience, his wisdom, any of the up and coming talent, or even some of the veterans that they have right now on the roster would benefit from sitting mm-hmm. underneath William Regal's learning tree and actually absorbing all that information. Can you imagine the improvements of someone's game by being under that tutelage? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just look at what he was able to do on NXT. Yes. I mean, he he was amazing there, and he's going to be even better with AEW because now he's bringing that additional bit of knowledge from there over to AEW. So, I, I couldn't be happier about him landing here. So now that begs the question, is William Regal going to be more involved with Ring of Honor when it starts? Well, in going into tonight's Dynamite, we did see he's going to be working with Mox and uh, Danielson. Right. Um, how much he's going to have to do with Ring of Honor, I don't know. Um, but for right now, he's he very much going to be an on-screen talent with those two and their, their new stable. Perfect, perfect. All right, so... <clears throat> Because I already have a feeling how you're going to rate this one. Hello? I am sorry, folks. So, welcome back there, Sunshine. You just (laughs) dropped out of nowhere and just decided to come back. I have no idea what happened. I'm so sorry. No, no. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) But... 
As a reminder to all the listeners out there, here at Cheshire's Place, we're not doing any type of editing whatsoever. We are unscripted, so whatever happens here, you're getting everything with raw content and emotion. <laughs> listeners, be warned. Technology, I tell you. Exactly. You know, that actually reminds me, there's a company that keeps asking me to, you know, if they can write scripts for me, and frankly... I just think it would take away from the value of the show. No, see, we're we're not we're not the WWE over here. We're not writing with scripts. Exactly, we're independent. <laughs> yes. If anything, if I was going to have someone write a script just one time, it'd be Vince Russo because he'll probably do like a microphone on a pole match. <laughs> I don't know. He did a Judy Bagwell on a pole. <laughs> We could we could set up our own version of Brawl for All. There we go. Oh God, let's not mention that atrocity ever again. <laughs> but anyways, so anyway. continuing, you're scoring for John Moxley versus Daniel Bryanson from one to five. What do you give it? This one's a five. I loved every bit of this. The I I didn't have like super high hopes for this, but also at the same time I did, um, from the very first time, you know, they kind of just, even just looked at each other, um, shortly after, um, Brian Danielson came to AEW, I, I wanted a match between these two so bad. And thankfully AEW delivered that dream match. And William Regal at the end was just the cherry on top. Yes, I fully agree because I saw I saw the clip of Regal coming out mm-hmm. and interacting with both of them and smacking the hell out of Moxley. And you see Brian Danielson laughing like he's the younger brother that just got away with it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you just see Regal turn around <laughs> and deliver the same intense slap. And it was beautiful. And the look on his face afterward was just perfect. I, you know, I agree. It's like the, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe you hit me. And Regal's like, <laughs> yep, you better believe it. <laughs> he just looks at him like, get it together. Exactly. All right, so main event time. Uh, not quite. Oh. We we had. I know this. I love AEW shows. Don't get me wrong. Um, they're always their pay-per-views are excitement from top to bottom. I mean, even, even when you have the, the slowdown, you know, the cool down matches, or as some people like to call them, you know, the popcorn matches, right. um, they're usually nonstop excitement. And usually by the end of them, I'm going, Holy cow. I can't believe, you know, what time it is. I, this show has gone by so quickly. By the time we started getting down to the end here, I was, I was looking up at the clock like, holy cow, it is almost 11, and we still have two more matches. Almost like now. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So before we continue on with these two matches, I think we may have to do a part two to cover um, tonight's um, Dynamite. I think so. And we'll probably have to do it before. Actually, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Actually, we may have to forego that one for now because tomorrow's going to be pretty busy with the next episode that I have. But and 
I could, I mean, we could do a, a super quick rundown of it and just hit the high, highlights too. All right. Yeah. We could definitely do that for this yeah. one then. Well, well, we'll just kind of, this next one, it was just, it was Matt Hardy, Andrade El Idolo, um, and Isaiah Cassidy versus Sting Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Um, it, it was good. Um, again, it's another six man tag match. That's just a, it's a cluster from top to bottom. Um, Sting, um, drops Matt Hardy with the chair, um, or through the, through a chair with the, uh, Scorpion death drop. And then, um, or no, that was Darby that did that. How did I think that was Sting? Well, because if I remember correctly, didn't Sting dive off of like the Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So the real highlights of this match um, were Sammy Guevara diving off of the top of the stage um, and then Sting, 63-year-old man, diving off of a railing um, through a stack of tables. Okay. Absolutely insane. That's amazing because you have to think, Sting is in his 60s. He's still going. And he's moving better than what he's ever done before. He's moving like he's back in his 20s again. Absolutely. Um, So like I said, um, Darby Allen um, drops Matt through a chair with the Scorpion death drop, follows it with the coffin drop, one, two, three, um, him, Sting, and Sammy win. Um, it It was good. Like I said, it was. A lot of high spots, but this was definitely like your oh my god moment right. um, for the night. It really was. Um, it it was fun. I definitely was scared for both Sammy and Sting. Um, those Sammy man, he him and Darby Allen are going to end up severely injuring themselves one day. They are absolute madman in the ring right yeah i fully agree especially because i saw the spanish fly that he did Mm -hmm. i saw that that was just nuts yeah that was crazy um i mean i watched it twice honestly did you it was good it really was um Okay, maybe five times, just due to the fact that um, just the insanity of being that high and doing something that risky, like a Spanish fly and just that downward impact, you know, a lot of stuff could have went wrong with that one. Oh, absolutely. and especially when you're looking at both of them, both him and Singh, it was four tables. Exactly. Four. Yeah. You go through one table, it can go wrong. You go through two tables, it can definitely go wrong. You get four tables, somebody's smacking their head off of something. Right. And, you know, thankfully, no one got seriously injured during the match. You know, we didn't yeah. need, like, a new Jack brain matter out of the ear type oh, issue. Oh, dear Lord. Because that's always my biggest fear with those type of matches and those type of spots, that there's going to be... yeah a severe injury or even worse. And thankfully none of that happened this time. Yeah. So I'm truly thankful for that, but you're scoring for Sting Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy, Andrade Del Hilo, 
And who's the other th- third person? Isaiah Cassidy, one half of Private Party. Oh, yeah, they really haven't done too much yet recently. Not lately, no. That's kind of sad. Where's Mark Quinn at? No one's really seen him in the ring too much. He's, he's, he's around. Um, like I said, they haven't done much with them since they've been part of the AHSO. They needed to start doing something more. Yeah, definitely. Um, that one, I, I give it a, I give it a four and a half. It was, it was, like I said, it was definitely like your oh my god moments for the night. Uh, which it wouldn't be an AEW show if we didn't have those. Right, exactly. All right, so now this should be the main uh, event, right? Yes, yes. Finally, we have the the main event. Um, Adam Page. Uh, your AEW world champion uh, versus Adam Cole, baby. The battle of the um, Adams. Yes. <laughs> the funniest part during this whole match was the crowd. Um, usually, you know, they go back and forth, you know, with their, their chance for, for each person. It was, let's go, Adam. Let's go, Adam. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I had an excuse it was for great. That one. It was great. Um, it would have been better. It was it, see, the chant would have been better. Let's go, Adam. Adam sucks. Because that would have been. Wait, a hell there, of a there was one of those. There was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You gotta love there, the crowd. That actually happened. Oh god, the AEW crowd is something else. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go to an AEW show, I highly recommend it. I went in October. It was so much fun. Well, if they um, ever come to is, Bismarck or Fargo. It is a party. If, if they ever show up to Bismarck, Fargo, or, you know, maybe Minot. I doubt Minot, but no. Bismarck or Fargo, Grand Forks. Okay, I'll potentially go. If the closest they've gotten so far is Minneapolis. That is true. Hmm. Give some ideas, but we'll discuss that. Oh, there you time. go. <laughs> All right. But um, continuing this, this on. One, this one was a, a lot of um, back and forth, a um, lot of chops again, a uh, lot of elbow strikes. Uh, Cole tries to, you know, keep running away from from Adam Page, um, hang that Adam Page with his uh, suicide dives all over the place, um, which. Excalibur is always so entertaining when he's calling those. Uh, and it's, it's funny just to see it. when they cut to commentary uh, during some of these when he's calling those suicide dives, the look on JR's face is just priceless. <laughs> wow. Um, at one point, um, Adam Cole looks for the Panama Sunrise, uh, but Hangman Page nails a super kick midair. It was a thing of beauty. It was eye pop. I'm gonna have to watch this match now just because of that. It it was good. Um, so then Hangman hits a massive buckle bomb, um, and then a moonsault from the top turnbuckle to the outside. Uh, looks for the buckshot lariat, but Cole rolls to the other side of the ring. Um, he tries to go for him. Cole rocks him with a boot to the face um, and then gets a backstabber. Um, Paige reverses Cole charging at him with a Liger bomb, which does get a near fall. 
um, Adam Cole starts tuning up the band HBK style, um, but Hangman sees it coming and hits the Deadeye. Um, they go back and forth some more. Um, Red Dragon at one point was setting up a table on the outside, um, but Hangman uh, reverses that again um, and hits the Deadeye through the table. Oh, nice. um, the Dark Order came out to check on him, um, and they, you know, brawl back, brawl back into the ring. Page hits the buckshot lariat. Um, however, they're right next to the rope, and Cole gets a finger up on the rope, um, and then it, Cole ends up tied to the rope with Hangman's belt buckle, uh, much like they taped him to the rope. Um, the previous week. Um, he gets out of it, walks straight into a super kick, um, and then Paige lowers his knee pad and hits his own version of Hangman's boom. Oh, okay. Uh, or not, or of uh, Cole's boom, sorry. Um, and then he follows with the buckshot lariat and retains. So it was kind of cool to see him lower the boom on, on Cole. Um, and then hit him with the buckshot lariat for the win. I like it. I like it. I I like those. The, every now and then, I like when somebody uses someone else's move on them. It does give a sense of poetic justice in a way. It does. Yeah. Um, after the match, uh, Hangman Page and his usual, you know, showing respect to, to his opponent, um, goes over to a, a knocked out Adam Cole. Um, and grabs his hand to shake it before walking off. <laughs> oh, that's it, nice. It was that, funny. That, it was that, funny. That is good. All right. So, main event for the world title Hangman Adam Page versus Adam Cole. Your score from one to five. What do you give it? I give it a four and a half. Um, I. It's the outside interference. I I don't like that Red Dragon keeps showing up. <clears throat> well, you know, every good boss needs the sub-boss henchman type this characters. This is true. And, I mean, that's what they did for Undisputed Era, and that's what this pretty much is at this point, even though... We can't call it that. <laughs> I mean, they bought the rights to the music originally that they had an NXT for it. Did they? I did not know that. You haven't heard it? Yeah. No? Yeah, they did. Oh. Which is kind of crazy. All right, so. What? (laughs) All right, so here we go, because you watched Revolution, you watched the buy-in, but you also watched tonight's Dynamite. Yes. So give us some highlights from tonight's episode. All right, the, like, real quick speed round highlights. Um, first, we kicked off with Chris Jericho um, coming out to the ring and being very, like, too nice. Um, even for, you know, his usual baby face. He is putting over Kingston to the moon, uh, saying how he hasn't slept for two days because he didn't live up to his word after the match. Um and he says that Eddie deserves his respect and, and has it. So he calls Kingston out to shake his hand. Um, 
Kingston goes into an amazing promo. I'm not even going to try to do it justice. Please go watch it. Um, Sam did try to what chant him, which the audacity. Um, but uh, he tells them, you know, show some respect. Steve Austin isn't here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then Eddie got real deep with his promo. Um, about, you know, after the match, he went to his hotel room and cried um, because he wanted to make the people that he met at FanFest proud. Um, he, you know, gets real emotional saying he hopes he did that um, and that, you know, the handshake wasn't for him, that it was that it was for Jericho. Um, and, again, I can't do Eddie's promos justice. Um, so, anyways, they... They shake hands. Jericho tells him that he has undying respect. And all of a sudden, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia interrupt them, um, which then leads to Santana and Ortiz coming out to, you know, clear the ring and kind of save those two. And they're holding up Garcia, waiting for Jericho to crack him with the bat, when all of a sudden Jericho turns and cracks Santa and Ortiz with it. So he turned on the inner circle tonight. Um, and is apparently working with 2.0 and Garcia. Um, and they are now known as the Jericho Appreciation Society. <clears throat> yeah. You know, somehow I had a feeling that either Santana or Ortiz would turn or Jericho would turn, but. They I had... didn't think it would be him setting up a new stable. In a stable with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, out of mm-hmm. anyone that they could have brought in, you know what? Yeah. We'll go with it, but the one thing I would change is the name of the group. Yeah. The Jericho Appreciation Society, and they already have t-shirts up that say J-A-S, because Jericho loves his acronyms. Yeah, he does. GFY can rotten hell. <laughs> yeah, it can, but, you know, so many people love it, and you you know good and well a lot of people are using it at work right now. Probably. Uh, Just saying. Probably. Um, and then we had a surprise AEW World Championship match that was not advertised um, between Hangman Page and Dante Martin. Ooh, okay. uh, one half of, of Top Flight. Um, it was a very good match. Um, Dante did not get the win. Um, Hangman retained, but it it just helped to put over Dante even more. Um, after the match, um, Paige calls him back to the ring um, and, you know, tells him, you know, you did great, um, you know, while... Well, he didn't win, you know, if he ever makes it back to the, the title, the world title match again, he, he'd love to run it back. So it was, it was good. Um, Adam Cole appeared, told him to shut up. Um, and then it says that he's going to make Hangman's life a living hell and will not stop until he gets what he wants and what he deserves. And he won't stop until he hears and new AEW world champion. Um, next week they are going to be in a six man tag team. Um, Adam Cole did not reveal who his partners will be, but did say that 
they are his friends, not Adam Page's. So everybody thought that it would be the Young Bucks later on in the show. The Bucks said that they couldn't do it, and Adam Cole was like, "That's fine. I was gonna pick. I was gonna pick uh, Fish and O'Reilly anyway." Mm. So something tells me that it's gonna end up being. I, I just I feel like it's gonna be um, Silver and Reynolds of somehow course. because there's still some tension um, going on between Hangman and the Dark Order. Um. His partners are going to be um, uh, Jurassic Express because apparently they caught him in the hallway and want to get their hands on um, either Red Dragon or the Young Bucks. So, <clears throat> um, Brian Danielson and, and John Moxley with William Regal uh, made their tag team debut um, against the Work Horsemen. Um, which is J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry. Um, very quick match. They they obviously win. Um, the the best part of this is Regal coming out and talking to Shivani in the ring, um, just saying he didn't think they'd be doing this again 29 years later. Um, it was it's it's William Regal. It was a great promo. He legit got emotional at one point. Um, thanking Tony for helping him in the past. Um, it, there's another one. I can't do it justice. Go watch it. I will definitely. Um, from there, we had a kind of a surprise uh, back, like a almost like a backup match. Wheeler Yuta and Pack, um, because Tony Khan said that uh, because uh, Hangman and um. Dante Martin didn't go as long as expected. You know, we had this one on the back burner. Uh, Pack wins. Um, we get a backstage with Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and the Bucks, and that's what I was talking about, where he said that he's going to be teaming up with Red Dragon. Um, FTR fired Tully tonight. What? Yeah. FTR fired Tully. Why? So my question... He, they were being interviewed. Um, Dax said that wrestling was his first love. He tried to call out Red Dragon. Um, Tully cut him off. Uh, says he was brought, brought to them to win titles. Um, and then, you know, they start arguing what that's all about. Cash said this is about family and Blanchard is not that. So they fired him. Um, my question is, is does this bring in the Briscoes? You know what? <clears throat> Because due to the fact that they've been working towards the angle of Briscoes versus FTR for a while. Mm -hmm. And with the acquisition of Ring of Honor. Yep. I think it will. I I think this I think this brings the Briscoes in and I'm I'm here for it. Um next, quite possibly the highlight of my night. Um, we get a, which this is weird for me to say this right now. We get a HFO, a HFO. God, that's a mouthful. And I'm so glad I don't have to say it anymore. <laughs> um, we get an AHFO emergency board meeting in the ring. Um, they're all in the ring. Matt Hardy says he wants to make things right. Um, but Andrade wants to fire him. Um, and they put it to a vote. 
of whether or not Matt should be fired uh, from the family office. Um, and they do the, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, which, all right. Um, Andrade obviously gives him a thumbs down. Uh, Matt gives a thumbs up. Um, Andrade's assistant, Jose, um, votes no, obviously. Private party initially, you know, Matt says they'll never vote me out. They initially put their thumbs up voting to keep him in the, the office. But behind his back, they turned their thumbs down. So they turned on him. Hmm. Um, Andrade says you always need to watch your back. Matt turns around to see that they've turned on him. And the entire group ends up jumping Matt um, with you know, everybody just beating the hell out of him. And this is the moment where, like, you can feel the crowd is just waiting for it. We're waiting. We're waiting to see Jeff. And Darby Allen's music hit. And Darby and Sting come out. And I'm like, okay. Not, not the people we wanted, but all right, got it. And they make their way to the ring. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Hardy's, the old... WWE Hardy Boys music hit. They they got the music. So this makes me wonder how much money did they spend to get the licensing for that music? Right? I I can't even imagine what Tony Khan shelled out for that, but the the music hits and it's the funniest thing, Jeff, he comes out to a huge pop, obviously. Right. Um, people are going insane to see him. We all, we all knew we would see him eventually. Um, it was just a matter of when at this point, because his, his 90 days was up at midnight today. Um, so he comes out to a huge pop. Um, he has to do like his, his little dance at first coming down the ring while his brother is getting his, ass whooped in there that was funny i i popped for that you know i would too and honestly i mean matt did that a couple of times when jeff was oh yeah so yeah i think it's poetic at this point absolutely um so he he runs in helps him clean house and the segment ends with him delivering a swanton bomb um they share a big hug that you know hardy boys are reunited Darby Allen is just standing in the ring with his mouth just hanging open. I don't know if he just, if he didn't know that this was happening, um, or if it was just the realization of, oh my God, I'm standing in the ring with two of my childhood heroes in Sting and Jeff Hardy. I think it's um, a little bit of both, quite honestly. Probably. It, I, I highly encourage you to go find like the screen grabs on uh, Twitter of that. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Oh, I definitely. Um, <laughs> it was it was good. Um, so then we get a little thing backstage with uh, Swerve. Uh, Tony Nice interrupts, um, says that they have a history of wrestling on Friday nights and thinks they should do it again. Um, so Strickland agrees. They have a match uh, Friday on Rampage. Nice. Yeah, so that should be fun. We we haven't seen much of Tony Nice in a while, so it's good to see him getting getting something so that'll be good and it'll be a good showcase for for um i do fully expect him to win right. um 
but it'll be a good match. Um, so they go back to the ring, and Tony Schiavone is welcoming Wardlow. Um, Wardlow gives a great promo, one that, once again, I cannot do justice. Um, basically, you know, kind of going back on his past, um, how you know, he was just trying to make money for his family, um, and <clears throat> that, you know, little did he know he was walking out of one cage and into another by, you know, joining Max, um, says that he's not a good person, um, and asks the fans for forgiveness for associating with him, um, and says that while he is still under contract with MJF, he no longer gives a damn. He's no longer watching his back, not his bodyguard, and is not a mem- member of the pinnacle, and that he is finally free. Um, they tell him he wants to be let out of his contract and that he'll leave him alone, and that if he only beca- cares about becoming TNT champion and obtaining a new contract with AEW. Because the whole thing is that he's not actually contracted to AEW, he's contracted to MJF. Right. Um, again, go watch it, it's great. Um... Let's see. We had a little thing backstage with QT Marshall and Keith Lee. Um, says that they have a common enemy with Team Taz. Um, and tries to get Keith Lee to like join him. Keith Lee says he's good. QT says he's going to pay for it. I don't know where that's going. Obviously, QT is getting something with Keith Lee or some member of the factory is getting something with Keith Lee. I bet it's going to be a go-go. I could see that. And I'd be all right with that. Yeah. And, you know, they say two, two big meaty men slapping meat. You know what? I'm just going to leave it alone. We're just going to slide right past that. Family friendly. Um, Family friendly. Yes. So then we had a another title match on the show. It was the AEW Tag Team uh, Champions Jurassic Express versus the Acclaimed. The Acclaimed come out with yet another great rap. I love them. People hate them all day, every day. I think they're great. Um, these champions obviously retain here. Um, we had a quick thing with Jade Cargill. This is what I was talking about. Um, before where Jade uh, wants to know who's going to receive the kiss of death next. Um, So obviously that's a thing. Um, Then we had the number one contenders match with Layla Hirsch and Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa came down to the, and this is why I referenced the way she, she entered the match um, Sunday. She came down to the ring tonight with much more enthusiasm much more enthusiasm. And I was like, all right, yep, this is what's happening. She's winning here. They're going on to St. Patrick's Day Slam. Um, it, and this is another one where I, I question how healthy she is because like Layla, we get that she's, you know, she's very, very new. Um, her matches aren't um, technical by any stretch of the imagination. Um, this was a very clunky match. Um, there was kind of a, a scary looking suplex from uh, Layla on Ro- Thunder Rosa, where I 
thought she was about to get dropped on her head at one point. Um, but Thunder Rosa picks up the win on this. She's going to face Britt Baker at St. Patrick's Day Slam. We find out later that it is going to, or actually right after the match, um, that it is going to be inside of a steel cage. So that yes. should be good. That's going to be great. And on it's, the, uh, and it's truly fitting, honestly, to have it those is. two in the steel cage because no interference, even though there's going to be a possibility of interference going on with this. Mm-hmm. It definitely limits the interference, though, and it's a a nice little callback from you know a year ago on St. Patrick's Day Slam with the lights out um, unsanctioned match. Right. So it'll be it'll be fun. I'm excited for it. Um, hopefully, because they are in front of her hometown, and AEW definitely likes to do the exact opposite of WWE and give their hometown heroes a, a win um i'm looking forward to the next week um the main event for tonight was uh sammy guevara versus scorpio sky and uh, this was the deal made right before revolution um that scorpio sky would get a tnt title match um on the dynamite following revolution and wardlow faces the winner of this match um Going into this, it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion that Sammy would end up retaining. Right. And it would be Sammy versus Wardlow um, next week on St. Patrick's Day Slam with Wardlow most likely picking up the title. Um, it did not come out that way. What? Scorpio Sky <clears throat> is your new TNT champion. Okay, now, one, I'm extremely shocked and surprised but two, everyone but two looking at the match itself it makes more sense to have a heel versus face match yes. than a face versus face match absolutely um so the the biggest highlight from this is Sammy Guevara is still absolutely effing insane um he pulls out a table um and gets, you know, Scorpio laid out on it, gets into the ring, climbs up to the top rope, goes for the, what's 630? Is that what he does? Yes. Yeah, the, the 630. Yeah. Goes for the 630. Scorpio rolls off the table at the last second. Sammy goes crashing through the table so hard that it didn't just break, it disintegrated wow. underneath him. It it like I saw that and my, my hands immediately went to my face and like, Oh my God. Um, because obviously he had to have been hurting from Sunday right. with that Spanish fly off the top of the stage. Um, this, he landed super hard. Um, that table did very little to break his fall. Um, Ty Conti comes running out with the, uh, with Doc Samson to check on Sammy. Um, because apparently we're putting their relationship on TV now. Not surprising. Um, not surprising. Um, and it's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, so through the entire picture-in-picture commercial break, um, it is Ty Conti and Doc Samson checking up on Sammy. Sammy is clutching at his ribs. Um, and at one point, like it is almost extremely believable that Sammy is hurt, and they're about to have to call this match. 
um, and that it's just going to, you know, end in a no contest um, because they're going to have to stop it because Sammy's hurt. Right. They are walking him up the ramp. Um, he's clutching his ribs. He's hardly able to walk on his own. And right before we come back from picture in picture, he, you know, pushes them all off. He's like, no, I'm fine. And he starts heading back to the, the ring. Um, Scorpio's guy obviously exploits the rib injury for the remainder of the match. Um, he's pulling backstabbers, you know, kicking him in the ribs, hitting him in the ribs, doing everything he can to exploit that injury, basically. Um, this is where we get a little bit of interference from Paige Van Zandt, um, kind of attacking Ty Conti. Um, Guevara hits, hits his uh, GTH, uh, Sky rolls out of the ring, goes for the shooting star press, uh, but Sky gets his knees up, hits him in the ribs, um, Ethan Page tries to interfere. Uh, Ty Conte pulls him off of the, the apron. Um, she gets launched into the stairs by Paige Van Zandt. Um, and then that distracts Sammy. Sky hits the TKO and picks up the win. Um, after the match, Scorpio Sky attacks Guevara again with the belt while uh, Van Zandt attacks Ty Conte. Um, and dumped her on top of Sammy and takes out her AEW contract and proceeds to sign it right on Ty Conti's butt. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> and, that, and that closed the show. See, because I was thinking that Paige would go after Jade. Because, you know... I, right. Because, you know, I... Heard that they kept panning to Paige during that match. They did. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. They they, they referenced her a few times throughout the show, um, but they really laid it on referencing her during Jaden Conti's match. So AEW pretty much swerved us, thinking that Paige would face off against Jade, but now it's Paige versus Ty Conti, seeing how both of them have that martial arts background. And it almost makes sense because to establish Paige as someone legitimate, she's going to have to face someone who's a longstanding roster member for this one. Right. And then, you know, it also makes sense because with Scorpio Sky being part of men of the year being managed by, uh, Dan Lambert, Paige Van Zandt being part of America's Top Team, um, Ty Conti being Sammy's girlfriend, it does nicely tie them all together. Right. Um, so it, it worked. I didn't hate it. Um, I was extremely shocked by Scorpio Sky winning. Um, however, um, this definitely throws a wrench into my predictions for next week. Um, I do not think Wardlow's winning that title next week. You know, um, you know, I don't. I don't see them only giving Scorpio Sky the title for a week. You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one because I feel that Wardlow is going to win next week. And I think MJF going to screw him. I think Sammy is going to screw Scorpio because That's of what it. happened. Yeah, MJF is MJF is going to play a factor. But at the end of the day, Wardlow is going to win 
and get his contract with AEW. If he does win, I think MJF does take the title from him. You know, I'm going to because that was their that was their agreement to begin with was that Wardlow was going to win the Face of the Revolution match, and when he did, he was going to win the TNT title match. And as part of his contract with MJF, he had to give MJF the TNT title. So, which is true, but I have a feeling once the contract is signed with AEW, that's going to null and void that contract with um, MJF. They're going to do something wonky with it where he keeps the title. I can, I can see that. That's- I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They, I, they don't typically flip-flop their titles this quickly. It's one of those things that I think for this storyline, because honestly, who is Scorpio really beaten on his own to really be a contender for that title? Well, he hasn't. The The whole story going into this, it was the title versus the streak. Yeah. Um, because Scorpio Sky had 364 days worth of losing. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that was only nine matches in the last 364 days. Right. Um, but the the whole story was that he's he's been on, on a losing streak since he went um, as a singles competitor. Right. So, you know what? Depending on what happens next Thursday, we or next Wednesday, we will have to review this. We will have to review yeah. it. Okay. Okay. But anyways, <clears throat> Christine. Thank you for coming back on, especially on short notice for this special episode. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, most definitely. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, Matter of fact, let me take a look at my wonderful window schedule here. Um, Actually, we may have you slotted for a couple of other episodes for season four. Okay. Because I know next month we're going to review WrestleMania. Oh, absolutely. How can you not? <laughs> but but thank you again for coming on. It's 100% always a pleasure. It's greatly appreciated. You know, I apologize for not having Monkey here, but normally he comes on Thursdays. Right. No, I I appreciate it as always. It's it's always fun. So <laughs> So this has been another episode of Cheshire's Place, a looking glass and a logical madness. I have been your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. And just as my namesake, the Cheshire Cat, I am everywhere, yet nowhere. Stay tuned for Thursday's episode where we talk about top 10 female superheroes and we're inviting two special guests for it. Have a good night. (laughs) 